Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Fun, entertaining, knowledgeable. All right. All right. Yeah. Right. Live and local. It's time for the Fan Morning Show with Bart Winkler. Good morning, everybody. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Tim Shea. We're 12.50 a.m. The Fan. It's the Bart Winkler Show, live from the Lakeland University Studios. Earn co-op credit for co-op, co-op credits. Co-op credit, co-op credits. I think I got it. For work experience at lakeland.edu. This portion of the show brought to you by our great friends over at Scrub-A-Dub. Beautiful voice of Tim Shea singing. Whoa, whoa, time out. I mean, the voice is very nice, Toby. You are a much better singer than I am. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Scrub It Up. Make sure to check it out, the Scrub It Up Scrub Club. It is hard to say, but it's easy to use. Wash your car every day if you choose one low price, starting at 13 bucks a month. Scrub It Up Scrub Club, any local Scrub It Up location, sign up at scrubitup.biz. I do want to get back into some Packers talk, but I saw this last night on Twitter. Kind of frustrating to hear. This last, yes, last night from... CBS Sports Radio, the Zach Gelb Show, Ryan Hollins joined him and had some foolishness to spew. Here's Zach Gelb and Ryan Hollins. What's been your evaluation of Jason Tatum so far through these finals, Ryan Hollins? I think he's been consistent. You know, he definitely commands a double team. The reason that there are so many three-pointers hitting in game one, where the, the game plan was go boxes and elbows, load up, take away anything that comes his way on his drives, and he made the right plays. His plus-minus has been off the chain. So he has an impact whether he's shooting the ball well or not on the floor. So 
Jason Tatum by far would be the Celtics MVP, but no, I'm sorry, we can't crown him and say he's you know we we so badly want to make oh it's the, he's the next LeBron, he's the next Durant, he's the next Giannis, he's he's the best player in the NBA, and right now that title is as up in the air as I have ever seen it, and you got to think the torch went from Michael to Kobe to LeBron, it flirted with some say Kawhi, some say Kevin Durant for a bit. But this is up in the air as, as as I've ever seen in the history of the game of basketball since I've been a fan watching as an 80s baby. You wouldn't say right now Giannis is the best player in the league? Giannis is at home chilling right now. You know, his 40 and 20 in back-to-back games wasn't enough to get past. But he just won so, a championship, Ryan. And he's sitting at home. Last year, I would have said it. Going into early this season, I would have said it. You know, with or without Middleton, I would have said it. So, no, that that title is up in the air. I, I can crown him as much as I can crown uh, Jimmy Butler for a game, or or crown Steph Curry for a game. You know, or say, well, if LeBron had, you know, four adequate guys around him, you, you can go back and forth with any of these players on any given night. You know, he's definitely up there on the list. I'm not gonna act like he's poo poo. Now he's like he's not number two or number three, or we can argue one. But there's nothing clear cut about that. That right now in today's NBA. And like I said, it is absolutely wide open. Let Jason Tatum go off for two big games where he goes 40-plus. We're going to be calling him the best player. Or Steph Curry backs it up, we're going to say Steph Curry's the best player in the league. That's what we're all going to be saying. If you had to make a pick right now, who's the best player in the NBA? Who's your pick then? I don't know, man. It's as, it's as game-to-game as, as it is. I, I would say Steph Curry right now. <laughs> it's game-to-game. And then let's say it's Jason Tatum in the next game. I'm going to tell you it's Jason Tatum. That's where I think it is, honestly. You know, I honestly think that it is, brother. And, that's, and I like Giannis. I think I could turn and say, man, Giannis had 40 and 20 in back-to-back games. Crown him. <laughs> so uh, what more does Giannis have to do to be crowned? Get the best player out. in the game? Now, I think the general sentiment is not with Ryan Hollins on this. I think generally people think that he is the best player in the game. But just to make the argument again, Giannis last year in a closeout game in the NBA Finals dropped 50 points in a closeout game. If LeBron did that, if Michael Jordan did that, if... Steph Curry did that. They're the greatest ever. If Jason Tatum did that, we wouldn't stop talking about it for five years. But because Giannis did it, and it's the Milwaukee Bucks, we've already stopped talking about it. Uh, Hello, 50 in a closeout game is something you don't see. Giannis did that last year. Oh, and if that wasn't enough. This team that is in the NBA Finals right now, the Boston Celtics, that supposedly slowed him down, he averaged 34, 15, and 7 against in the series. But you're right, he's chilling at home, so he cannot be the best player in the NBA. That doesn't make any sense to me. You can be the best player and not have won the NBA Finals that year. Think about it. Like, there are plenty of great players that at their time were the best player in the NBA that didn't win it, right? I think Jordan was probably the best player in the NBA before he had ever won an NBA Finals, and then he went 6-for-6 six six once he got there. LeBron has been the best player in the league for a while, and he didn't win the Finals every single year, and he didn't even always get to the Finals. LeBron was the best player in the league for a while, and he wasn't even getting there, right? I mean, this idea... And I saw this from, I I forget who tweeted it out. I wish I could give him credit. Uh, It was so well said about the NBA and that NBA fans are so weird on how we watch the game and evaluate it. We don't treat things equally. So if a guy goes and does something alone, we hold it more weighty because he didn't have any help. But then if he loses... We put all the blame on him, even if he didn't have the help. You get what I'm saying? Like, So if Giannis were to go win an NBA Finals again, but he had brought in someone to help out alongside, whoever the case may be, Giannis isn't going to get as much credit then because he had the help. 
It's not about winning the championship. But in this sort of situation where he didn't get to an NBA Finals, but Chris Middleton wasn't playing, it was, well, Giannis isn't good enough to get him back there. What? Why can't things be treated a little more equally? It's not When you're judging player by player, championships are the ultimate team objective. Championships are the ultimate team accomplishment. But as an individual, you cannot single-handedly win an NBA Finals. And ultimately, you can only control what you can control. You can play your best. You can defend. You can score, rebound, everything. But ultimately, you've got other guys on the floor that have to do their job as well. And then that's up to the front office to make sure that the correct guys are in place. That's up to the coaching staff to determine when and how long they're playing and all those different things. I think we all understand that. So the argument that, well, he's not the best player in the world because he's sitting at home right now. And he probably, after last night, is Ryan Hollins today thinking that Andrew Wiggins is the best player in the NBA today because Andrew Wiggins had the best game in the NBA Finals last night? Is that the case? Because I, I think it's ridiculous. I don't know that Giannis can do any more than what he's done. Maybe he needs to win another title for everyone to fully accept it. I don't know what it is, but he could have easily won MVP again this year, but it's pretty obvious that the the voters are pretty fatigued on giving it to Giannis at this point. So they gave it to Jokic, which, I look, I don't have a problem with Jokic getting it. I would have had a problem with Embiid getting it. I don't necessarily have a problem with Jokic getting it. But it's pretty obvious that they're becoming fatigued with that. It's pretty crazy that Giannis wasn't even considered for Defensive Player of the Year. What is going on with this stuff and Giannis? He's clearly the best player in the NBA, in my opinion. You've the best got, player in the world. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. You watch him play, and I don't think there's any question as to who the best player in the NBA is. Are there guys that can do different things than Giannis that have games where they absolutely roll and they look incredible? Absolutely. When Kevin Durant's going at his best, it's hard to match what Kevin Durant can do. When Steph Curry is knocking down shot after shot after shot, it's hard to match what Steph Curry can do. But guess what? No one in the world can stop Giannis right now. The beloved Boston Celtics defense that everyone is hyped and hyped and hyped that supposedly figured out a way to slow down Giannis. Again, he averaged 34, 15, and 7. Does that sound like shutting a guy down? Does that sound like slowing a guy down? 34, 15, and 7? Because I don't think it does. Giannis is going to continue to improve. These are the kind of things that drive athletes. I don't know that Giannis needs any more motivation than what he already has. He he kind of finds ways to motivate himself and that he, I think he he's motivated in an odd way, you know? Sometimes it's hard to fully understand how he does his his stuff because for most athletes, if I said this sort of thing to Steph Curry, he'd hang this up on his wall or he'd write this down and have it in his locker. For other guys, they might find other things where they're trying to prove people right, whatever the case may be. When it comes to Giannis, I think his motivation every day is somebody's going to take my spot, even though I, I don't think anyone ever will. Someone's going to take my spot. I want to still be, you know, keep playing at the highest of my ability. I want to make my family happy. I want to please my family and make sure that they're proud of me. It's awesome watching him. It's awesome that we get to embrace this superstar as opposed to some of the other ones that, you know, not only are they, is he a good basketball player? He's a good guy. He's a good human. He's someone that you don't have a problem supporting because you pretty much love everything about the guy. 414-799-1250. I did want to play that clip because that was ridiculous. I did want to get back into some Packers talk and Alan Lazard, he signs his tender yesterday. What does that mean for this offense? What is this offense going to look like this upcoming season? We'll talk about that next here on the Bart Winkler Show on 1250 AM. It's the Bart Winkler Morning Show. Toby Altizer, Tim Shea. We're live from the Lakeland University Studios. Earn co-op credit for work experience at lakeland.edu. And again, 
This portion of the show is brought to you by the great folks over at Scrub It Up, Scrub It Up Scrub Club. Hard to say, but it's easy to use. Wash your car every day if you choose. One low price starting at 13 bucks a month. Scrub It Up Scrub, Scrub Club at any local Scrub It Up location. Sign up at scrubadub.biz. We talk about the Green Bay Packers. Alan Lazard signs his restricted free agent tender yesterday to return to the Green Bay Packers. What does that mean for their offense? What do you expect to see out of them going forward? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. Let's get out to Tony in Texas. Tony, what's going on, man? Hey, Toe, before you dive into the Packers, I did want to talk about that Ryan Hollins yeah, clown. Yeah, what you got? So, according to him, I guess Robert Ory's the greatest player ever with his seven rings. That's right. Is that, is that the way it goes down? That's right. Big shot Bob. Yeah, uh, Ryan. <laughs> This guy Hollins and, and the Kendrick Perkins and, and these guys are just clowns. They just got their little takes just, just to get clicks. And, and uh, it's, it's just give me a break. If you watch the games, Giannis dominates. And, you know, I'm in this AAU circle. So Giannis didn't grow up in that, that environment, that world. He does his own thing. He beat, goes to the beat of his own drum. So you don't see Giannis trying to get votes like Marcus Smart getting defensive player of the year votes, that kind of stuff. Giannis could care less. He wants rings. And, uh, yeah, I take it with a grain of salt. So, I Yeah, I thought that was a pretty ridiculous statement to say. Uh, it kind of changes night by night. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Yeah, I think Hollins is still uh, salty about a dunk that Giannis had on him back when he was playing. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that highlight, but Giannis is totally posterized him. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, who cares, right? Yeah, cares, I mean, uh, again, uh, that was more so to just get Bucks fans riled up to realize some people still – don't think he's the best player in the world, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, and Jason Tatum, I'm not a fan, never have been. Good player, not a great player. Probably maybe a little bit better than Middleton. I just don't think he's a – after watching him in this finals, I just don't think he's a championship player. I think he's a great player. I think he's a superstar. But he's not playing like it in the NBA finals. A lot of pressure, right? There is a lot of extra pressure on him too, but you think – you know, early in his career when they were first making their runs to the finals, I don't think you could say Steph Curry was necessarily a championship player at first. You know, he, he kind of, they worked inside the unit, but he wasn't exactly a reason why they were winning those NBA finals at the beginning before they even got Kevin Durant. You know, he, he's improved, and obviously you're seeing him play well now. But I, I'm not, I don't think that he can't grow into it, talking about Jason Tatum. I think he can. It's just... Last night was the first time you saw any sort of glimpse of, oh, yeah, that's right, Jason Tatum is still a really good player on the Celtics team. Yeah, it takes a while to, to come into your own in the NBA. you got to pay your dues. And, and I can't stand the Celtics with their whining and complaining. Nonstop. Finally, I, I think it's finally catching up. It's got to be exhausting to be their coach. Oh, my goodness. It's like it's, it's like coaching a middle school team trying to play against a team that is settled, you know, like a, a college team or a pro team, whatever the case may be, that's like settled in on doing their job where the rest of the guys are focused on doing everything else but their job. Yeah, it's, it's got to be tough. But you know what? I only wish bad things to the Celtics. Even though you and I <laughs> picked them, I hope they still lose. Uh, to Alan Lazard, uh, quickly, the, the guy is nothing but a number three receiver. I think you and I are on the same page. Yeah, Maybe a number three. You know, Rodgers, if, if Rodgers can pull this off in, in – Pass for 40 touchdowns again and have five interceptions and lead this team to a you know 13 and four type record. He deserves another MVP with that receiving core. But I think they're going to look at a lot of you know throwing Aaron Jones out there with AJ Dillon, you know splitting out Jones. So it's just going to be a lot of dump. I think a lot of dumping off and, and Rodgers will have to play disciplined and play within Lafleur's system. I, basically, Matt Lafleur is getting what he wants now. He's going to get Aaron Rodgers to play the way he wants to play because basically Rodgers doesn't have any options to throw. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that. Tony, one quick thing. Yes, sir. So your boys with Zeke now? Yeah, so Zeke Elliott, I know everyone doesn't probably believe me, but uh, yeah, so Zeke Elliott, and uh, I, I got a little representation going with him. I actually got him his first deal with an attorney down here in Dallas for a commercial. So yeah, that's going okay. That's going all right, man. It's kind of fun. So we'll see where it goes. Well, you tell him to take it easy on Washington uh, this year. <laughs> you gotta keep that guy healthy. Yeah, uh, I will. I'll keep my thoughts on Zeke to myself. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, and also, hey, I, I played Kendrick Perkins' AU team. We played them tough down to the wire this weekend. Who won? They won. My my big guy got hurt, but we. Uh, you know, big Perk wasn't there though. But I, I'm I'm learning a lot about this AU circuit and how this stuff works. There's a lot of shadiness that's going on in, in these in this stuff and. 
you kind of learn what goes on behind the scenes, Tobe, when you're working this stuff. So it's interesting. And by the way, Painter Wars has got to end, guy. I'm ca- guys, I'm calling a truce. I'm calling a truce on Painter Wars. Unless, uh, who's got the better prices on painting? That's what we need to know. <laughs> that's the important question. That's we'll have to ask that tomorrow. All of us in Milwaukee are looking for a bargain basement deal. So if Mike the Painter's got better prices, we're going to him. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate the phone call, Tony. All right. See you later, later Tobe. 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan, Alan Lazard, signs his restricted free agent tender with the Green Bay Packers yesterday. He'll make just a little less than $4 million this upcoming season. What do you think this Packers offense is going to look like? What kind of roles do you see these receivers fitting into? Because I think that people just assume that Lazard will be the number one. The slot guys will be... Cobb and Amari Rogers. They assume because of the player comps that they'll see Christian Watson step in and play the MVS role. And then outside of that, we'll we'll see from there. I kind of think it's going to be a little different than that. I think you'll see Lazard expand his role a little bit, but you'll see him still in the same sort of thing where he's going to be the Alan Lazard that you've recognized from years past. He's not going to be the true number one. I think you're going to see Cobb and Rodgers alternate in the slot. Now, I, I, I know I've seen some reports that they're pretty excited about what Amari Rodgers has done or Randall Cobb has kind of talked him up. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. But Amari Rodgers, Randall Cobb in the slot. And then I kind of think that Christian Watson's going to have to be used or one of the guys, either Watson or Dubs, is going to have to be used in a more traditional outside X-style receiver where they're going to run more than just go routes like MVS would. You know, MVS didn't exactly have the most diverse route tree, right? I mean, he's going to run go routes, post, deep corner routes. He's running the same stuff. Everything's deep down the field. Nothing intermediate, really. Everything deep down the field. One of those guys is going to be in that role, whether it's Dubs or Watson. But the other one, and maybe it's Sammy Watkins as well in there, is going to have to be that Devontae Adams-style receiver that's running a 12-yard, 15-yard over route. The guy that's running the back shoulder fade down the sideline. The guy that's not always going for the home run. The guy that can be a little bit more of a security blanket for Aaron Rodgers, the guy that's going to be the chain mover. Who's going to be that guy? And that's the big question mark for me on this offense. I, Some people think that's going to be Alan Lazard. I don't see it. You know, I just think you found a perfect role for Alan Lazard to thrive, and I don't think I'm going to move him out of that role. You know, are, are you going to try to make it so that he can be your number one? I just... I think he's talented in what he's been used to do. Is he talented as a wide receiver? A little bit. Is he talented as a blocker? A lot more so than as a wide receiver. So I'm going to continue to use him in that role where I'm going to use him as a blocker and as a wide receiver, but primarily more so as a blocker. If you try to use him as your number one wide receiver and line him up outside every time and expect him to win one-on-one against the top corners in the league, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. I've seen this going around. Do you see the Packers making another move for wide receiver free agent? I guess the only two really that you can talk about are Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. Yeah, again, Odell, I don't know. Because he's he's out till December. Yeah, probably November, December. Could you see them making a move maybe during the preseason? I still think they should bring in a receiver, whether it's via trade or free agency. I still think they should. Will they? I, I don't think they will. Gary likes uh, Waller, Darren Waller. Darren Waller? Waller, thank you. Yeah, uh, well, he's a tight end. I, I, he's an option, though. Yeah, I wouldn't I, mind seeing them bring in something because I think right now where this offense stands, they're just kind of lacking some talent at playmaking positions on offense. I think Aaron Rodgers can make up for some of that. But I don't think this is a 27-year-old Aaron Rodgers that's willing to make up for all the mistakes of the offense and willing to carry the load and make stuff out of nothing, you know? I think Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career is satisfied to live within the scheme of the offense for a majority 
of the game. When he needs to be special, he'll be special. But I think that's part of why you've seen that respect and that trust between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers grow as their time in Green Bay has continued to go on is that Aaron realizes, you know what, this guy makes it a little bit easier on me to go through my career because I don't have to be Superman every time I snap the ball. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. in Mike McCarthy's offense, he did have to be Superman every time he snapped the ball because the offense got so generic. There was nothing really special going on there. And, you know, maybe part of that was Aaron too, but the chemistry just wasn't there, and it got to a point where it was a stale offense and everyone knew what was going on, and Aaron, in order for to complete a pass, had to run around like a chicken with his head cut off and throw the ball. That's not going to be the case in Matt LaFleur's offense. And I think that's part of why... Aaron re-signed in Green Bay. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He also trusts Matt LaFleur. You know, if Aaron Rodgers was just about winning another MVP and he wanted individual awards, he could have gone somewhere else and had more talent around him, if we're being 100% honest about it. If he wanted to just win another MVP and all he was thinking about is, how can I continue to pad my own legacy in terms of individual awards, he could have gone to Denver and Denver's receiving core would have been way better than what Green Bay is going to give them at this point. You know, just looking at Denver's receiving core, even if they had to give up someone to get Aaron Rodgers, would be Judy, Sutton, K.J. Hamler. Uh, they've got, I'm not even going to try to say his last name, Albert O. Albert Agugbanam, I think is his name, a tight end from Missouri from a couple years ago in the draft. They've got some weapons out there, and then you bring in as well, you have a good running back tandem in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. That's what makes that destination so attractive for Russell Wilson. If Aaron Rodgers wanted to win an individual award like an MVP again, why wouldn't he just go there? As opposed to, I can stick in Green Bay, I can continue to rehab a little bit of my legacy that was maybe messed up a little bit, by how I acted in the offseason a couple years ago. And I also understand that Matt LaFleur is a good head coach that can hopefully help me win another Super Bowl so I can have two to Favre's one. You know, Aaron Rodgers cares about those things. I think that's pretty obvious. And I think going forward with Rodgers, he wants to win some of these team things. So if... Matt LaFleur comes to him. Now, I'm not going to go as far as LaRoya said on the big show and say, well, he'll be willing to only throw the ball 20 times a game. No, I don't think that. I think Aaron Rodgers still realizes, I think Matt LaFleur still realizes that your best chance to win is going to be with with the ball primarily in Aaron Rodgers' hands. Now, is it going to be there 70% of the time, 80% of the time? No. Is it going to be there 60% of the time? I would think so. I think it's still going to be, a 60-40 split past the run. But I think you'll see that this team and Aaron Rodgers is going to be willing to do more things that are going to be team-friendly, team-specific, as opposed to individual. I think you'll see him spread the ball around. He's One, he's not going to have much of an option. I don't think there's going to be one guy that's going to separate from the pack. You know, with Devontae Adams and having a special receiver like Devontae, you could look at him, give him a wink on the outside, and next thing you know, he he knows exactly what he's doing. He's running a back shoulder fade. He's wide open. And he had the ability to separate and do things that not many receivers in the league can do against high-level corners. I don't know that the Packers have that guy on the outside right now. I don't know that he's looking over at Christian Watson or Sammy Watkins or any of these guys and giving them the wink and them just beating their guy one-on-one like Devontae could. So I don't know that they're going to have the one-on-one guy that they can just do those sort of things with. So they're going to have to depend on the scheme of the offense, which Matt LaFleur is going to be responsible for. From what I've seen in this offense, I think you can make stuff out of nothing. I think you've seen in the past in similar style offenses with the Rams and the 49ers, I think you've seen them get it done with weapons but no quarterback. I'm interested to see what it looks like on the other side, where they're not going to have the weapons like a Debo Samuel in a Niners offense or a George Kittle in the Niners or Robert Woods and Cooper Cup in L.A. I'm interested to see what you can see in this situation in Green Bay where there's no Jared Goff under center, there's no Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Aaron Rodgers, but there's no 
top flight wide receiver tight end running out there. But you do have a top running back tandem. And that's where I think it gets intriguing on how the Packers decide to use those guys. Do we see more two running back sets from the Packers this year? Do we see more two tight end sets in turn with the Packers this year? How do they go about making sure that they have their best playmakers on the field and the best way that they're going to get their playmakers on the field, they're going to have their best playmakers on the field is putting the running backs out there, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And honestly, I think you could see more Kylan Hill if he comes back and gets sprinkled in and is healthy. I like Kylan Hill. I think he could be a special running back as well. You've got some guys on this offense that have potential, but can they live up to it? Can the receivers step up? Again, Lazard back next year, that's awesome. I think you got to be honest about what your expectations are for Alan Lazard. Because if you're going to expect him to go for 1,200 yards, you're going to be sorely disappointed. That's just not going to be who Alan Lazard is. I think you could see his targets go up. I think you could see his yardage, yardage total go up by a little bit. But if he's a 500-yard receiver with Devontae Adams, he's not going to suddenly turn into a 1,500-yard, 1,200-yard, even 1,000-yard receiver without Devontae Adams. I think he's a 700, 800-yard guy at best. I think you'll see him continue to have a role similar to what he had even when Devontae was here, where he's going to spend time blocking. He's going to be used in various roles that maybe aren't going to result in him getting gaudy numbers, but he's going to be an important part of this offense nevertheless. I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm excited to see this Packers team, and I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers does this season because this is going to require Aaron Rodgers to play the quarterback position differently than he has in a little bit. And is he going to be willing to do that? I think he will because I don't know that he's going to have much of a choice. And how well can he get back to doing what made Aaron Rodgers so likable at the beginning, and that's just finding the open guy. I think if Matt LaFleur can do his job effectively, it'll make Aaron Rodgers' job easier. It'll make the players excel. It'll make them happy because this system should be able to free up some guys. And I think you'll see a little bit more run out of this team, a little bit more of a rushing attack. I don't know that it'll ever be run first, but I think you'll see more rushing than you've seen in years past. You saw even last year they ran the ball a little bit more than they had in previous years. So I'm excited to see what this Packers team can be. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show as well as preview Brewers and Mets starting tonight, three games set. Then the Brewers head to Cincinnati before they finally come back home and take on the Cardinals. But we'll preview Brewers against the Mets next here on the Bart Winkler Show on 1250 AM. The Fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
12.50 a.m., The Fan. It's the Bart Winkler Show. Toby Altizer in for Bart today alongside Tim Shea. We're live from the Lakeland University studios. Want to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers as they begin a three-game set with the New York Mets tonight. Tim, could you imagine if they were playing this at American Family Field? The roof would be open. It would be 95 degrees. You could probably bunt a home run down there. The ball would, the ball would be flying out. The ball would be flying I wonder what's the hottest game ever played at American Family uh, Field. I can tell you sometimes I remember being down on the field when I worked there, and we brought a you know one of those thermometers. You always saw it on TV, how hot on the field. And at one point it was 115 Ooh. on the field. Wow. So, yeah. That would be uh, pretty miserable to play. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, again, you could probably bunt a home run out of that. Mm-hmm. So thank God they're not playing – that here yeah. i don't like the heat so yeah i don't either the heat and humidity i shouldn't say i shouldn't say the heat i don't like the humidity the heat i can stand. i don't like heat or humidity okay i could live with it just staying 65 <laughs> year round that's that's hey i'm fine with that 65 i don't mind a little overcast because my eyes for whatever reason are sensitive to light a little overcast and breezy that'd be my ideal weather the Brewers, though, taking on the New York Mets. I don't know what the weather is there. I could have had a good segue there. I don't know what the weather is in New York. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. They're taking on the Mets in a three-game set starting tonight. What are your expectations for them in this series? Because I've said that I want to see them still win this series. Do you just want to see them take one? I mean, what, what do you want to see out of them in this series? I mean, one would be great. Two would be even better. Um, a sweep is a dream, but it depends how they play. You know, if, if they get one, but they're not. Such a cop-out answer. Just I'm give me a straight so, answer. Fine, fine. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for one, but two would be great. I need two. I want two. I, I need them to win this series. When you went through those offensive numbers for the Mets, I just, I don't, I, I guess the good part is they aren't facing, you know, Scherzer. They're not facing DeGrom. They're not. So... Again, the Brewers are going to have Adrian Hauser, Corbin Burns, and Aaron Ashby. The Mets are going to have – who do they have tonight? Uh, tomorrow I know they have David Peterson, Tyler McGill on Thursday. Tonight it is – The race goes. Tonight it is – Do you have it? Yeah, Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett. Okay, so – like you said, they're not going up against Jacob DeGrom. They're not going up against Max Scherzer. They're going to have a chance to be able to win these baseball games. And we can go through some of the offensive stats. We can compare some of the offensive leaders. But, again, Hauser, Burns, and Ashby on the mound for the crew, those are guys that you feel like you can rely on to get the job done. And you're going to need them to get the job done. I think – the Brewers have everything they need to be a World Series team as they're currently constructed. I think they need to add something at the deadline. And these are the sort of teams that you're going to have playing against them in the in the playoffs right here, the New York Mets. If you could, if you could play well against these teams, you're going to have a whole lot more confidence when you go into a postseason series, maybe it is against the Mets. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, whoever you're going up against, you're going to have a lot more confidence going up against these teams. I think that this Brewers team has really struggled over the last week and a half or so, and it, it, it's been a little bit of everything. It's been the injuries, as Tim brought up a little bit earlier today uh, in the 7 a.m. hour, it's been the pitching staff has struggled. It's been poor hitting. It's, again, been a little bit of everything. But I think this Brewers team is going to be fine. I think this stretch of Brewers baseball has just been a rough little stretch where the team has struggled and combined with some other factors, you play poorly and in turn you lose baseball games. I think when you're looking ahead, this team is going to be looking to bounce back over this next stretch, and that's why when Tim says it's the most important stretch for the Brewers, it makes sense. Because looking forward, you know, what, what again is the ultimate goal for this Brewers team? 
in the regular season. I think it's still just uh, simply going to be to win the NL Central, but then are you going to try and get one of these top seeds in the National League? Because if you're going to try and get one of these top seeds in the National League, then these kind of games against top teams like the Mets are going to be important. You know, losing four out of seven to the Padres, a team that you might end up having to need a tiebreaker against, that's probably going to hurt you. You know, what what are you going to look like when you play teams like the Dodgers? What are you going to look like when you come home and take on the Cardinals? There's some important games coming up for this Brewers team, starting with the Mets. Ideally, you'd like to see the schedule flipped a little bit where you would start with the three-game set against the Reds tonight, and then you would have the Mets next, but that's not what you got. You got the Mets on the schedule right now. You need to go out there and try and win. Again, going through some of these numbers comparing the two teams, in terms of runs scored per game, the Brewers are shockingly in the bottom half of the league. (laughs) Who would have thought that the Brewers would be in the bottom half of the league? Then you look at the Mets, and they're third in the league. So they're going to probably put up some runs against the Brewers. Now, is it going to be the regular total? Probably not because the Brewers have a good pitching staff. But the Brewers are going to have to score some runs to win this series. Then you look at runs allowed per game. The Mets are 10th in the league and the Brewers are 15th. Again, the Brewers pretty much are the definition of mediocrity at this point in the season. 18th in runs scored, 15th in runs allowed. That's middle of the pack at best. This team is better than that. This team, when they're playing well, is a top-five team in Major League Baseball, a top-three team in the National League, up there with the Mets, up there with the Dodgers, up there with the Padres, and those teams. Right now, they're not playing like it. Looking at some of the players that you're going to go up against, Jeff McNeil's been playing well this year, batting 320. You're going to have to keep him off the base pads. Pete Alonso's the real one that you're going to have to look out for. He's hit 18 homers and has 57 RBIs at this point in the season. That's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how some of these guys get going on some of these tears. Absolutely nuts. that the, the At this point in the season, you already got 57 RBIs, and he's not even first in Major League Baseball. Jose Ramirez, I think, has 58 or 59. Right now, the Brewers leader is Rowdy Telez with 38. I'm still confident that this Brewers team can be good enough to get things going. Now, maybe we need to lower the expectations a little bit and just focus on trying to win the Central again because I think at times, at least for myself, I've maybe gotten a little lofty with this team and expected maybe a little more than I should have. This Cardinals team, maybe we've underestimated a little bit because they're playing really well and they're right there. You know, they, They're leading the division right now, and they kind of hung around and waited for the Brewers to kind of go on that kind of a losing streak and bided their time, and now they've kind of taken that top spot. I assume the Brewers will be able to get back to that top spot soon, but who knows? So try to win the Central because the Cardinals are going to stick around all year long. And I I think this team has to have high aspirations again because last year you were in the playoffs. Last year you were one of the hotter teams until you kind of fizzled out at the end of the year. I I think they've got what they need to try and win this thing but they're going to have to start playing better and doing a better job of showing up night in and night out. The other thing that we got to talk about too is Craig Council on this three-game set, whenever he gets his next win, hopefully it's tonight, will become the winningest manager in Brewers history. And that's a really cool thing to have for Craig Council and for Brewers fans alike. Someone that, again, has been around the organization Uh, pretty much his entire life, someone that has played for the organization, someone that's now manages the organization that's lived in Wisconsin, that is one of us. He's someone that night in, night out is living the dream because he is a Brewers fan, and in turn he gets to manage his favorite team. I mean, he's someone that's invested in this team just like you are. Like John and Franklin brought up earlier today, talking with Tim Allen, You watch him when he does certain moves and he brings a guy in or whatever the case may be and they show him in the dugout and he's on the edge of his seat and he's making the same faces that you are in your living room, frustrated, 
frazzled, on the edge of your seat, can't sit still, he's on edge, like you're on edge, because he's living it just like you, and he's lived it for how long that he's been in Wisconsin. He understands the history of the Milwaukee Brewers. He understands this team. He understands this city. He understands this state. And it's really cool that he gets to be a part of this history and become, hopefully tonight, the winningest manager in the history of the Brewers organization. And, you know, I don't know that there's really much argument for anyone else as a better manager in Brewers history. You know, you you can look at pretty much any of the different things that you would say are the qualifications to get that recognition. You know, is it longevity? Well, he's got that. Is it success? Well, he's been to the postseason four times. Is it winning division titles? Well, he's done that. I mean, there's pretty much the only thing he's got left is getting to a World Series and winning one. That's pretty much it. And that's why some people are going to have other managers over him is, well, one's been to a World Series, he hasn't. Well, he was a game away. So, in a sense, he was really close there. But out of the eight times the Brewers have been to the postseason in their history, Craig Council's been the manager for four of them. They're going to go again this year, I'd assume. So five straight years, he's going to have been the manager. And Craig Council has done such a good job of managing the teams to their strengths and understanding. This is one thing that always gets me sometimes with coaches, whether it's in football, basketball, in baseball, wherever it is, is when they're so set on their way that they cannot adjust to the players that they have. And maybe that's just them being a poor coach. Maybe it's them not really understanding the game as well as they should and not having the mind like some of the other guys that have done these sort of things. But I like when you have a coach that's able to adjust to what the personnel suggests he do, right? You've seen this time and time again, right? Where Whether it's like an NFL free agent and you bring a guy in and he says, all right, in our system, this is what you do. And then suddenly you see this guy struggle because he didn't really fit in that system and the the, the coach is un, unwilling to adjust, right? He, he won't make any sort of adjustment for the guy to make him successful, make the team successful. Whereas Craig Council, I've seen him over the last couple seasons be able to find that adjustment, find that happy medium of doing things his way, but also maximizing the strengths of his baseball team. I, I, I think Craig Council absolutely will go down as the best manager in Brewers history. He's got a long time coming still, and it's going to be hard to match him here in Milwaukee. I mean, him and David Stearns have created a great team that has created successful baseball here in Milwaukee for the last four or five years, and it's something that you've got to be happy about as a Brewers fan because they haven't always been the most relevant franchise, but right now they're one of the top franchises and all of baseball and how they've been run over the last couple years in terms of wins over the last five seasons, four seasons, they're right up there with teams like the Dodgers. So you've got to be happy with where they've gotten as a Brewers fan. Now you just want that next step. 414-799-1250. Let's quickly get to a few phone calls before the end of the show. Let's get to Tom in Franklin. Tom, what's going on, man? Hey, Toby. Uh, it's going good. But I think we are underestimating the Cardinals because I think they've had – just as many injuries as the Brewers have, and now they're starting to get healthy as well. Like they look at their lineup; they've got they've got a pretty threatening lineup. They've got Goldschmidt, they've got Arenado, and then behind that they have guys. They have young players. Like the Brewers don't have any true scary young players. Like they've got, I think that uh, that Tyler O'Neill kid. He had, he had well, almost 40 home runs last year, and there's the the outfielder there, Dylan Carlson. I think he I think his name mm-hmm. is. And, he had almost 20 home runs. Like the Brewers don't, we just don't have players like that. That are like who's who's going to be your batting average guy? Like Hunter Renfro is hitting a 260. That's like 30 points above his career average. He's like a he's hitting over his average. Like he's already overachieving. Like he's a two he's a 230 hitter. Like we have there's nobody that consistently can get on base besides Yelich and. Yeah, who knows how long that lasts. Yeah. Tom, appreciate it, man. 
Yeah, I mean, he brings up a good point with the Cardinals. Maybe we do need to be looking a little bit more of them as a serious threat in the division. I still think the Brewers win this thing, but I think you have to look at the Cardinals now as a team that's probably going to stick around for a while. Let's get out to one more phone call before we wrap up the show. Brian is in Bayview. Brian, what's going on, man? Thank you for taking my call, sir. Uh, you're talking about, yeah, the Cardinals are always a thorn in, you know, where. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the thing of it is, as good as, uh, you know, you're talking about Craig Console, and what bugs me is that, yes, I think he's a great manager, but uh, he's always getting a shaft. And what what got me was that year with uh, Cardinals manager, I think his name was Mike Schultz. Yep, yep. So he got uh, the manager of the year, and he's not even no longer with the Cardinals. And he gets it, and, and Craig Console still doesn't get it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what more he's going to have to do to get it because he does such a good job, you know. And I don't know how much they factor in market size and all those different things with the manager of the year. I'm sure they just kind of factor in, you know, the record and all those different things and expectations as opposed to reality. But uh, you've got to be impressed what Craig Council's been able to do with this baseball team year in and year out. Correct. He came out of the blue. Uh, he came out of nowhere at uh, the Cardinals manager, and here he gets it. And then I listen to the post-game show sometimes with Tim, and one time he was talking about that, and, you know, we were just talking, uh, this, that was a subject, you know, about Craig, and, and he said that uh, Craig probably doesn't even care. He probably would want a World Series instead. But still, I mean, uh, just, to, just to show uh, some respect to the, and uh, just acknowledge that, you know, he, he is, and, uh, you know, but... All right, Brian, I'm going to have to cut you off. We're about to finish uh, finish the show. I appreciate the call, man. It's been fun hanging out with you guys. Bart will be back tomorrow. I'm Toby Altizer for Tim Shea. Thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.